to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Last Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Iaquinto, on behalf of Miracle Word Ministries, and I am super pumped for the first ever episode of the Last Gen Podcast. Listen, in this podcast, we're going to give you truth from God's Word to encourage your faith, teach you about what the Bible says, and help raise up a generation of young people that are on fire for God. You know, I don't know if you've seen the trailer or have had time to check out the trailer, but since you're here, I'll let you know that this podcast is going to be geared towards youth and young adults, towards students. And the reason is, is because there's hardly anything out there where, you know, it's specifically geared towards youth. And the reason I'm excited is because I genuinely believe, and I'm not saying this just because I am Gen Z and I am 17, but I do genuinely believe that this generation, my generation, is going to do great things for God. Because, you know, you could l- believe the lie of the enemy that you hear almost every day. You know, th- this new generation, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with the Bible. They just want to scroll through TikTok all day. Listen, that is such a lie. And I've been ruined. You can't tell me that. I've been ruined a long time ago for that lie. The problem is that, th- is that this generation can spot dead, dry religion from the real thing. And they don't want dead, dry religion. They want the real power of God. And when you present the real power of God, you see a generation turn for Christ. And that's what we're going to see. But in this podcast, we are going to uh, build faith in your spirit, answer questions that you may have concerning the, you know, a life of youth and young adults, you know, specifically geared towards you. And we're going to see that. And uh, not every time is it going to be me. It's not always going to be me. Sometimes it's going to be Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Sometimes it's going to be other people. But every episode you want to tune into. So I'd recommend that you would, you know, make sure that you are keeping up to date with all the episodes and when we drop them. Because I'd love to meet back with you every single week for you to listen to the Last Gen Podcast. So today, we have a teaching. And I just wanted to let you know up front how excited I am about this podcast. But we we do have a teaching today. And if you saw the title, we're talking about three things that are going to set you apart in these end times. And the reason I think this is so vitally important is because I do believe that we're living in the end times. I mean, (laughs) one preacher says it like this. Our newspapers are reading more and more like Bible prophecy every day. And I agree. You you can't tell me. Even unbelievers are seeing it and saying, something is up. And that's true. It's that the book of Revelation is unfolding before our very eyes. You can turn on the news and you don't have to have faith to know that the Bible is true. And what it says is true. So we are no question living in the end times. And that's why it's important that we understand this concept as youth and as young people. 
that we understand this concept of being set apart. You know, God always wants his children to look different than everyone else. You know, I'm sick of hearing this this watered-down gospel that allows you to blend into culture. The Bible says we live in this world, but we're not of this world. And the world should be able to tell that you're not of this world. So, without preaching the message, before I even get to it, I'd like to uh, have you turn to Malachi chapter 3. If you're taking notes, Malachi chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 16. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages of Scripture. Malachi 3 and 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man who spares his son who serves him. Then once more will you see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who serves him not. This passage gets me excited. I'm going to read verse 18 one more time. Then once more shall you see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. There should be a difference in your life. And today we're talking about those three things that are going to make the difference, that are going to set you apart in these end times. And the first one, the first thing that's going to set you apart, number one is covenant. If you're taking notes, the first thing is covenant. This is vitally important. Nobody teaches on covenant anymore. I mean, I actually had, I actually had, um, something dropped. It's okay. I actually had a professor in quote unquote Bible college who told me, you know, he was, he was a professor, um, for songwriting class, you know, worship songwriting class, praise songwriting class. And he said, listen, guys, you know, we got to stop singing songs about like the blood of Jesus, because if a visitor comes in, they're going to think you're crazy talking about blood. So we should just stop talking about that. And, you know, cause it makes people uncomfortable. But the only thing that sets us apart as Christians is the blood of Jesus. That is the covenant that we have. I want you to turn to Hebrews 8, 6. Hebrews 8, 6. Hebrews 8, 6. The blood of Jesus is the thing that sets you apart. In fact, when you look in the Old Testament, in Exodus, because you have to understand that the picture, the Exodus of the Jews out of captivity of Egypt is a perfect representation of what Jesus did for us. The Passover is a perfect representation of salvation. The Jews being the people of God, us, and the Egyptians being the world. God brought us out of the world and into his kingdom. And when God said, I'm going to bring you out, he said, get the blood, get, get a lamb, spotless, without you know any imperfections. I want you to kill the lamb, take the blood of the spotless lamb, and put it on the doorposts of your home. 
And that was a picture of Christ. It was a picture of the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. The blood of Jesus is our Passover. It's what we apply to the doorposts of our house. And when they did that in the Old Testament, the death angel had to pass over them. And not one of the diseases that touched the Egyptians could touch them. And that's the same thing that the blood of Jesus does for us. So to understand the concept of covenant, we have to know what a covenant is. Now, I've heard people say, well, covenant is promise. You know, God, this is a book of promises. No, God is a God of covenant. And there's a difference between covenant and promises. Promises are, I'm going to give you ice cream. A covenant is, if you're good, I'll give you ice cream. So a covenant is is a legal document spelled out very specifically, and it's predicated on two parties that that um, abide by the, the rules of the covenant. So it's it's not just God has promised all these things. It's that if you play your part, God will play his part, and he's faithful to play his part. And I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6 to understand what covenant is and what covenant we have. Because I always say this, if you don't understand your covenant, you will allow anything to happen to you. You know, my uncle always uh, uses this example. If I had property and I had a ton of acres of land, you know, and I was out in the country, but I did have neighbors And I had all this land around my house and my neighbors would just keep crossing my property line. You know, they would grow stuff, do garden, make gardens over my property line, start, you know, playing their kids playing in my property, you know, and I got sick of it. And I go to confront them and say, listen, you're, you're in my property, you know, you're on my property. This is my property. You're not allowed to be there. Well, unless I know where my property line is, I cannot say that you have to know what's yours. Unless I know how far the devil can go and no further, I'll allow anything. And that's what, that's what the, the meaning of that scripture in Hosea says, where it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of me. They're destroyed because they don't know what's theirs in Christ. And so many people don't know the will of God for their life. And it's so vitally important that you do. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, But as it is in Christ, oh, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant that he mediates is better since it's enacted on better promises. One translation says, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. My covenant in Christ in the New Testament is so much better than the Old Testament covenant. And think about this. The Old Testament covenant provided for healing. In Exodus, God said, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. It provided for protection in Psalm 91. It provided for prosperity in Deuteronomy 28. So think about how great the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was. Now think how much better is it now that we have the blood of Jesus. Our covenant is signed with the blood of Jesus. 
And as long as we don't know our covenant, anything will be able to touch us. If I don't know where my property starts and ends, I will never know how to tell the devil this far and no further. So vitally important. You have to know, you know, and so many people, I mean, I, I even think about right now, if you're listening to this a few years in the future, I'm. this is 2021, almost 2022. But if you look at last year, how many people ran around, I mean, I'm not ran around, stayed in their house, not knowing their covenant. Christians were in fear, living in fear because of a virus, because they don't understand their covenant. They don't understand the fact that actually the disease has to fear me. I don't have to fear any disease. You know, I, you know what? It, it would be good to turn there. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. You have a lot of people quoting this nowadays, but do they actually believe it? Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now listen to that. Right off the bat, it's talking about our part to play. Because once you get saved, now you could ask the question, you know, if if God if it's God's will that we're never sick and we have a covenant, why are so many Christians sick? It's because it doesn't happen automatically. A covenant, like I said before, is a contract, well-defined terms. A you know, two parties agree upon those terms. One has to play their part, the other has to play their part. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to, of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Jump to verse 5. He says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence or disease that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You have to make up in your mind as a young person. Though I'm walking around with everyone else, though I go to school with my friends and every other, you know, every unbeliever in the school, though we go to the same school, we don't even have the same spiritual laws that are attached to our lives. Sickness can run around my school, but it cannot touch me. Disease can run around my school, but it cannot touch me. Depression can run around my school, but it will not come near me. You have to cross that bridge in your mind. That one preacher that I listen to a lot says, I, you know, I'm not like everyone else, and I'm not going to live like everyone else. Your covenant is what makes you different. Because without a covenant with God... You have no promises. Without a covenant with God, you have no promises. Without the blood of Jesus, I have no basis to believe that sickness is going to stay away from me. Without Jesus getting whipped on his back and taking stripes on his back for our healing, I might as well be afraid because the sickness could touch me. But because he did, I, it cannot touch me. Because he took stripes on his back, it cannot touch me. And it always baffled me that people would say, you know, without knowing about covenant, it, you get fearful. 
people will believe. They'll say they believe. Yes, God, you know, God said that he would keep sickness away from us. But they walk around with a mask on, you know, purelling their hands every five seconds with rubber gloves on. Preachers, you know, Christians. And I thought, every time I heard someone who professed to believe this message, but also did those things, I thought, how weak could a covenant be if I have to, you know, supplement a covenant with a mask and gloves and Purell? And think about this. If my covenant is, you know, if I have a different covenant, why do I do the same things as the world who doesn't have a covenant? How is, how am I any different if just like the world, I have to mask up, glove up, Purell up, wash my hands. Not saying I don't wash my hands, but like sometimes you're in a rush. Amen. But you have to know I'm not like everyone else. That doesn't just go for healing. That goes for prosperity. And that goes for you in school, in your friend group. You know, everyone else could be doing these things, but I don't do those things. I've got a covenant with God. I've got a covenant with God. It, it would be good to say that out loud right now where you are. I've got a covenant with God, and the devil cannot cross the boundary line. Cannot cross the boundary line. So that was the first thing that's going to set you apart in these end times. So number two, the second thing that's going to set you apart in these end times as a young person is holiness. If you're taking notes, the second thing is holiness. Listen, this message is so hated on. Hated on. In the church. Well, I don't really believe you have to like live holy, you know. Isn't that isn't that a bit much? You know, we all sin every day, right? No. No. God said, "Be holy even as I am holy." Jesus said, be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. And if we're to stay, you know, if we're to be of the group of people that's going to persevere until the end, you know, in Paul told Timothy, in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away, a falling away of people that were serving God. They were on fire for God, but they let their fire burn out. They, they listen to doctrines of devils. And how many times, I mean, it's sad because I've seen so many times, even going through high school, people that were on fire from God, for God. And then they got into this, you know, they heard some preacher say that, you know, it's not really about what we do. It's about what he's done. And, you know, we all slip up every day just you know, and then their friends telling you, well, you know, you could do it. Just ask God for forgiveness afterwards. And it's a doctrine of devils because God said you have to be holy. The Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. It's so vitally important. And, you know, that that whole teaching that, you know, it's called a, the hyper grace message. And that whole demonic teaching is that we don't have to live holy. We don't really have to keep that, you know, much of a, an attention on our on our actions because after the cross they don't really matter and the blood of Jesus covers it all. 
And that teaching is rooted, I think, in the seeker sensitivity movement saying like, you know, well, if I'm going to relate to the to the lost and dying world, I'm going to have to, you know, joke around with the world. I'm going to have to kind of live like the world, you know, just to keep a buddy buddy kind of relationship with them. It's that idea that's like, you know, how am I ever going to get any any drunk saved if I'm never at the bar? Amen. That's the whole teaching. That's the whole thought process. But when you understand it, it's actually the opposite. You know, because you'd think that, that sinners are looking at your life living holy as a Christian and thinking, oh man, I would hate to do that. I would hate to have all these rules. You know, people think, you know, this, I, I wouldn't want all those rules to follow. I just like being free. But then you get down to really what people are going through in sin. And it's not that they, they don't want to be tied down with rules because they don't understand that they're already in a prison. They're already being tied down by sin. People say that it's freedom to live however you want. But you, you realize real quickly that those people aren't free. When you live under the kingdom of the devil, he's allowed to do whatever he wants to you. Yank one chain, that one sin, pull you right back. And when you talk to people, they don't want to sin, but they have to because they're in that kingdom. So they don't look at a holy Christian's life and they think, oh, wow, you know, how, how boring that may be. They actually think, why is it that they are so happy? Why is it that they're so free? You know, it's like that whole idea that like uh, Christians are tied down to rules. That works until you come across like a meth addict and they tell you, you know, I don't want to, but I have to. I don't want to do it, but I have to. It's just, it's tying me down because it's bondage. Sin is bondage. And God's called us to live holy. Holy for our sake, number one, because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But holy for our generation's sake. An unbeliever is going to spot a fake very quickly. The world is good at seeing a phony Christian. You say you believe this stuff, but you don't live it. You say that this is a sin, but you do it yourself. And the world's good at spotting that. But the world's also good at spotting a real committed Christian, which is what we're going to be. Holy, set apart. Set apart unto God. There's some places I don't go. There's things I don't watch. There's things I don't say. I don't let pass in front of my eyes. Why? Because I'm living holy. I'm set apart. You know what's interesting? The actual word holy, what you know what it means? It means set apart. Holy means separate. A holy person doesn't do everything that a, you know, an unholy person does. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. This is Paul and this passage he's talking about not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But in this he says, right after talking about that, he quotes the scripture. 
Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. God is looking for some holy people. And holiness is not boring. Holiness is a good thing. You know, holiness is fun because you realize there is not one sin between me and God. You know, I can lay my head on the pillow every single night and know that if Jesus came back in the middle of the night, I wouldn't have to look at him ashamed of how my life is looking. And, you know, answer for what happened here. I'm going I'm to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Holiness matters. It's a topic that this generation doesn't know anything about, not because they're not hungry for it. It's because they haven't had it preached to them. But God is looking for some holy people. You know, the Bible says that not every person who sits in a church pew is going to make it to heaven. It's one of the scariest verses in Scripture. Jesus said, there's going to be some that come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we, you know, prophesy in your name? Didn't we work for you all our lives? And you know what Jesus is going to say to them? He's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. It's only those who do the will of the Father that get to heaven. So just because you sit in a church pew and just because, you know, you go to church on Sunday and youth group on Wednesday night doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. God is still looking for holy people. It means that I'm not doing what the world's doing. I don't have to be in bondage to the same things that the world is in bondage to. It's a new freedom. Holiness matters. And don't listen to the voices that say, you know, it's okay. We all have our sins. You know, don't. It's funny what people say when they come to this teaching. It's like just stupid things that they can just like quote. And then the church is like, "Mm, that's good. You know, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. It's like, bro, you need help. You need to get free. Don't listen to it. Don't cave to it. Jesus isn't returning for a broken, sinning church. He's he's returning for a beautiful church without spot or wrinkle. Without spot or wrinkle. That means without defects, without sin. A clean church washed in the blood of Jesus. And it's going to set you apart. People are going to realize, oh man, this, this person, this guy, this girl really lives it. They preach it and they live it. They say they believe in God and they act like it. It's the it's one of the things that's going to show the gener you know the, your generation that God is alive. Because why would why would a a seventeen year old kid refuse to smoke this and drink that? And why would a seventeen year old kid refuse to quote unquote have fun on the weekend? It's because he has a goal in mind, and it's heaven. 
So the second thing that's going to set you apart in this generation is holiness. The third thing, if you're taking notes, the third thing that's going to set you apart in these end times is the anointing. It's the anointing. And the way I've laid out these these notes, I didn't realize it until I looked back on it. But they're progressive. Meaning this, the first thing, covenant. That's the first thing you have to have with God. I receive Jesus Christ. I make a covenant with him. The first thing you have is covenant. Then you live holy. And then after you lived holy, what happens? You're anointed. You submit yourself to God. He anoints you. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. I'm hitting a lot of my favorite scriptures. Because God, you know, God really put this in my spirit recently. That this generation is going to be on fire. This generation is hungry. And they just need the proper knowledge of God. To then go take their generation for Jesus. You know, you, you can have zeal. But you have to have knowledge. You have to have knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of me. So you can be, you know, I'm going to go take my world for you. But then you don't know what the word of God says. And then the devil can sift you like wheat. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Peter and John are before the council. Because, the, you know, because God healed a man lame from birth. And they wanted answers. They were mad. They've told them, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. You're not allowed to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And this is an, you know, this is an exciting scripture. Because the council says to Peter and John, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Listen, what's going to set you apart in this generation is not your diploma. It's not your degree. It's not your level of education, but it's going to be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When you're anointed, not only the devil notices, but the world notices. You know what they're saying to Peter and John? Listen, I know you didn't go to school, and I know you can't talk perfectly, and maybe you have a stutter, and maybe you, you know, don't use proper English. But I can tell there's something different about you. I don't know if you've had this. Many people I know you know, have, I've had this happen. People say, you know, what, what, you know, I I can't put my finger on it, not knowing that I'm a Christian. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different about you. There's something different about you than anyone else. And you know what I tell them? That's the anointing. Unbelievers can feel the anointing and they can sense, hold up, There's something different about this person. The devil can feel the anointing. The Bible says Jesus stepped out of his boat and onto the shore. 
and a demon-possessed man came running from far off because he felt the anointing of Jesus and bowed down low and said, please don't cast us out before our time because they sense the anointing. It's going to take the anointing to live holy and it's going to take the anointing to reach your friends for Jesus. I cannot you know, overstate how important it is to be anointed in the end times. Jesus told a parable about 10 virgins and they all had lamps with oil in them. The oil was was what was keeping the lamp on. And they were waiting for the bridegroom. And the Bible says that there were 10 there were 5 10 virgins, 5 were wise, 5 were unwise. 5 brought extra oil for their candle. But five did not. And while the the five that did not went out to get more oil, the bridegroom arrived and let the other five in. And when they came back, the five that didn't bring extra oil, they came back, knocked on the door, and the bridegroom said, I never knew you. And that's a picture of how it's going to be in the end times. There's going to be people who were on fire for God that that, that are anointed, But they let their fire go out. They let the anointing oil go out. And they're not going to be ready to see Jesus. It's a scary thing. But we're of the people that have oil, fresh oil. The psalmist said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. It's what's going to keep you running. It's what's going to set you apart. People are going to notice when you're anointed. And it's a powerful thing. A powerful thing. In Hebrews 1.9. Hebrews 1.9. We already turned to Hebrews, but I'd have you go back. Hebrews 1.9. The Bible says of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is quoting this. He says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. One translation says, far above above your brethren. Far above your brethren. The anointing, in this case, brought joy. The, The oil of gladness. The Holy Spirit is joy. And when you get anointed... Filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have joy in your life. And that's one of the things, without going into it, because I could talk on this for, for days, but without going into a deep teaching, we'll, we'll, we'll stop on that subject right there, is that this generation is plagued with anxiety and depression, plagued with suicidal thoughts that they can't get free from. The devil has lied to them so much that they're thinking of killing themselves, thinking it's not worth it because they don't have joy. But the Bible says when you get anointed with the Holy Spirit, joy is there. He is the oil of gladness. And then it says, above your companions. That means that you will be a light in your school, a light even in the grocery store. Wherever you're at, people will say, the world is in a mess But this guy, this girl, they're happy. Why is it that 
you know, I, I struggle with depression and I struggle with anxiety because of all the stuff that's happening in the world and because I don't think I'm worth it. And then that this person has joy, abundant joy that overflows. And whenever I'm around them or whenever I'm with them, they make me feel good. You know, there's people who, you know, friends of my brothers and friends of mine who have come over to my house and they've said, you know what, I don't really want to go home. And I'm like, why? And they're like, I don't know, but I just feel like your house is peaceful and it's like joyful. It's because the anointing's here. People want to be around you when you're anointed. You know, there's some people that say, you know, I'm so anointed. People don't like me at work. You know, you'll be hated for your for my namesake. No, it's just because you're a jerk. But when you're anointed, people like you. You know, sinners liked Jesus a lot. They loved him. They loved Jesus because he was. An, they could feel the anointing on his life. They always wanted to be around him. It was only the religious people that got ticked off. So those are three things that are going to set you apart in these last days. Number one, it's your covenant. Knowing your rights. Knowing the fact that there are certain things that cannot touch me. You know, I don't, I don't have to worry about any new virus that comes out. I don't have to worry about masking up. God made me, you know, promises in my covenant. Number two is holiness. I'm living right. I'm living set apart. Though everyone else is living in sin, I will not. There's places I don't go. There's things I don't do. There's things I don't say. And number three is the anointing. The anointing will set you apart. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every single young person watching. I thank you that they're hungry for your word and hungry to learn more about you. I pray that you would anoint them. I pray that you would help them live a, a life set apart unto you. In Jesus' name, that people would know that there's a difference between those who serve God and those who serve him not. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, guys, thank you so much for watching the first episode of the Last Gen Podcast. I did all of this without taking a sip of water, so I will now. I'm sorry if you could hear that. But listen, the Last Gen Podcast is going to be a regular thing. So you want to stay up to date with whatever we're doing? I want you to check back in. You can um, follow me on at, at on Instagram at Alex dot Iaquinto. That's A L E X dot I A Q U I N T O. And that's gonna let you know about updates. And I'm gonna post stuff on there, and and we'll we'll stay connected. But if you listen to this, I want you to share this to your friends. Let people know that the Last Gen Podcast is up. It's available. Share it to your story. Share it to your Instagram. And if you still use Facebook, you can do that. But who does? But listen, I love you. I had so much fun recording this. Maybe I'll see you again next week. Maybe it will be me. Maybe it'll be someone else. But either way, I love you. I'll see you soon. Check back in with you next week. Oh,